0: Information presented is in no way to be considered as a standard of care and the content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis or treatment. The information is provided with no guarantee. All content is for informational purposes only and does not constitute providing of medical, legal, or regulatory advice. Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of Blue Crew Medicine. I'm joined today by two first-timers on the podcast. We've got uh, Brad Harper, who's one of our critical care paramedics at Air Care 3. Welcome, Brad. How's it going? Giggle a little bit. Giggle. Giggle, <laughs> giggle a little bit. <laughs> I'm Great. excited to be here, man. All right. And then the Corey Bittner, uh, one of our base leads at Air Care 4, flight nurse, extraordinaire, nurse prac, whatever title you want to call it today. She's got alphabet soup like the rest of us. One of my hats. One of the hats. One of the hats we wear. Um. All right, guys. Well, today we're going to talk a little bit about PTSD or PTSIs. We're going to talk about here in a minute. Mental health and EMS. Mental health as a first responder. So let's just dive right in. So for years, PTSD has had a stigma. All right, most of it's had a negative connotation, especially PTSD. So post-traumatic stress disorder. Recently, they've changed it to post-traumatic stress incidents.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, which has a little bit better better connotation than disorder, um, as most of us are med- med- uh, medical professionals, I should say. Disorder, bad name, more like a, hey, we got to treat it. It's Some kind of disease process. I
1: think yeah, it makes you think of like I was born with this. Yeah, and that's that's kind of the, the stigmatism. If we weren't born with this, you know, this comes from a stressor, an incident in our career um, that's led us to this point.
0: The other thing that I wanted to bring up right off the bat. Some of this PTSI and PTSD stuff that we talk about, it's most of it's triggered through a career, through our experiences, through, I won't say no fault of our own. Yes. Many people say, well, we chose this career. You chose to be exposed to that. Mm -hmm. True. I chose to help people, Mm -hmm. but I didn't necessarily choose to be exposed to some of the things that I've seen or been a part of, but it can be any number of different things. So let's talk a little bit about some of the triggers or some of the incidents that may trigger these kinds of events or things for us. Um, for me, it's been anything from calls that I get toned out to. So the initial dispatch information can be a trigger, but it also has, I can remember certain incidents because of that already put a heightened sense of awareness because of what it was. It was, it was kid that was burning house fire, whether it was a motor vehicle accident, whether it was a hanging, Mm -hmm. all those things have been just the dispatch information already puts your body in a. Sympathetic tone, per se, uh, fight or flight, whatever, mm-hmm. heightened set of awareness. So you're already hyper-vigilant, hyper-memorable, hyper-aware. And then you get to the incident itself. And that's a whole different bag of tricks, if you will, yeah, to sure. what, it, what it actually is. Mm-hmm. When you all think of PTSI or PTSD, what what brings to mind for you all?
2: It can be a number of things. It can be the day in, day out traumatic or stressful call after another without a debrief time or a downtime. You just compartmentalize it, push it back, keep going forward. You never deal with that. So then when another similar call comes in, all that could rear its ugly head. And then you have to now go through the old call and do the new call or what may, whatever may be at, at your sites, at your scene, in the place of where you are. It could be a dream. It could be anything that just keeps coming back because you never got to deal with that. Um, We are exposed to deaths by suicide. First responders, first ones on the scene to see all of that. Um, We're exposed to increased stressors on a daily basis, traumatic event after traumatic event, chaos, chaos, chaos. And your brain can only take so much unless you can deal with it so. yeah
1: I think that's a really good point about the the repetitive stress you know yeah. when a lot of people talk about uh ptsi they think oh it was just it was a bad call mm-hmm. right and a lot of times what we're seeing is that not that's not necessarily the case it's just the you know the high call volumes the limited sleep patterns or if if any at all mm-hmm. depending on how the shift goes you know and then a lot of times it's what do we do to reset you know we come in on shift whether you're I see you, you're a paramedic on a truck, you work for a flight program, whatever. What do you do first thing you get there in the morning? You know, you check your monitor, you check the glucometer, you check check all this stuff. At what point do we take a step back and say, hey, I need to check on myself? You know, have I had time to reset from the day before? Have I had time to reset from that bad call or that Mm -hmm. busy day or have I had adequate enough sleep? You know, what's my diet been like? There's so many factors mm-hmm. and so many rabbits, if you will, that we could chase just with this, this one topic.
0: I think it's a challenge for a lot of people to be that self-aware, to look at it and say, hey, it's me that could be an issue. Or it's me that could not know how to deal with this and learning how to deal with it. There's a lot of anybody that knows me will tell you I'm mm-hmm. really bad at compartmentalizing. Mm-hmm. Um, you talk to my wife, she will tell you I'm extremely bad at compartmentalizing. And part of that is to my advantage to how I can cope with and deal with some of the things that we do every day. From my own personal experience, I'm very, I'm good at just putting it in a box and I'll deal with it. I remember vividly telling Steven one day after a certain incident in the hallway that, you know, I can tell you exactly the door. We're shifting in the back hallway coming out of trauma four. And he said, hey, man, you good? And I said, yeah, I'll deal with it in twenty years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I like word for word exactly what I said. He just kind of looked at me. He knew what it meant. Yeah, he knew. Yeah. He knew me well enough. I know Steve a lot better now, but he knew me well enough then to know that's what he's doing.
1: Mm-hmm. And you know, unfortunately, that's that's the culture of EMS, if you will. You know, and I and I can remember um, from my days on on ground transport. You know, working with some uh, medics that at that time had been there. 15, 20 years, you know, it was always, I'll just tough it up, you know, suck it up, suck it up, keep going, you know, get ready for the next one. You know, Um, unfortunately that's how we get to that, that compartment syndrome, if you will, with the uh, PTSI is we suck it up, we suck it up, we suck it up and all we're doing is adding fuel to this fire. And when it finally reaches that ignition source, then that's where we're seeing a lot of um, uh, clinicians and a lot of good clinicians that, not necessarily always in their life, but reach the end of their career maybe a little too early. Mm-hmm. You know, when they still had several several years of good service um, and they're taking a step back and saying, you know what, I'm, I'm done, I'm out, you know, I can't do this anymore. Walking away. Walking away.
2: So the culture is feeling like you cannot say anything because it's a sign of weakness. That's what the culture has been. It's part of the job. Suck it up, move forward, go take care of the next one. It's the same in the ER, ICU. You have one person, child, just died. You just called the code for whatever reason. You got to go to the next room and act like nothing happened. Yep. Nope. that's right. Okay, so you put on your happy face, move on, and then you don't ever address that incident. Um, and that builds and builds and builds or cracks your mental health, cracks your mental health until so- finally you get so many cracks that you just break down.
0: And I think we saw a little more awareness during COVID and during the pandemic about, especially the in-hospital side of it, but there's still that stigmatism or not stigmatism. There's still that stigma. There's still that stigma with first responders in general. It's still that culture is still there and trying to bring that more to light. Let's talk a little bit about the, the history of PTSI or PTSD and how it first started in the military. Everybody saw, I think the most, current literature we talk about is world war one mm-hmm. and a lot of the people coming back, whether it was our service members or back then it was only men for the most part, but even the nurses coming back and seeing the difference. And then you saw a little bit of that stigma pushing our veterans off to the side, yep. the world war two, it happened again, Korea, Vietnam, you've seen it a lot more in the military, but it happens every day. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk a little bit about the correlation.
1: So, I mean, um, basically when we talk about military you know everybody's aware of the 22 a day even our our, some of our blue crew personnel did the you know Mm -hmm. blue 22 um Mm -hmm. that was on facebook some of y'all may have seen um but a lot of times in the military and we're not trying to discredit the military by any means um but they go on a tour and for you know nine months they may be in a country they're seeing these incidences they're seeing you know the horrors of war if you will and then they come back and they decompress. They have a decompressing state. They come back into the country. They spend, what, a month or so like that?
0: Usually, I think it's two weeks to two a month. It depends on kind of what branch you're in. Right. What, what, what you were doing, what set. your mission yeah.
1: was. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, what we see with EMS and, and ER and ICU staff and is, is this is our career. This is our life. This is our way of living. This is not just for a year. This is often for 15, 20 years, 25 years so on and so on, if, you know, right. depending on their career. And it's, it's, it's encapsulated in our, into our lives, whether it's, you know, home, work, you know, if we do anything on the side, business wise, you know, there's a lot of times it feels like there is no way to get out of it.
0: The other thing I say is challenges. Uh, you talked about the the time span you core, you brought up with you go to the next patient room yeah. and you have to change a face. Mm-hmm. Um, you oftentimes in first responder life, we have two families. We have our work family, and then we have our home family. Yep. And you put on a show when you go home. And you're like, "Hey, I don't, awesome. I don't want you to know that I just called two year old dad. That's right. I've got a two year old at home. Uh, you know, at that time, like it, you don't want to talk about it, or you don't think it's okay to talk about it, and I'm not trying to be forceful. That needs to change.
1: That, that I, yeah, absolutely, that needs to change. And um,
0: but well, it's just it's a big challenge. I mean, like, how do you Learning how to cope with that, learning how to deal with that, learning how to decompress that is something it's very hard to. I can't just write a script for you. Mm-hmm. Everybody has to figure out their own individual path with that.
1: yeah, I, I agree I agree with that, but I think some of it probably needs to um be initiated in the family awareness. you know, your significant other, your spouse. Um, I, I think a certain level of training needs to go an education if you will to them to you know recognize like hey this is this is an early sign of this or this is you know why they are come home they're worked up they're on that heightened level we talk about that stress level that Mm -hmm. sympathetic nervous system that drive kicks in where you know the tones have dropped you know um like just the other day um from mother's day weekend we cooked some crawfish at the house and um you know, I loaded the dog on the side by side. and went to pull up, and uh, my wife just hollered out, really, really loud. And that, that, just like that, you know, that's that stress level shot up. And I was just like, "You cannot holler at me like that," you know. And she's, you know, she didn't realize what at the time she had done. I was like, "You just sent me like, because I me, mean, my kids was there, right? Yeah. Who's the hurt? dogs, all about like, to get killed. Who's hurt? You know <laughs> yeah. what I'm saying? Like that, just that drive just right. hits you, yes. and, that, and you, you, you know, you do. You have that. My blood pressure's up. The heart rate shoots up." You know, your mentality changes, like, what, you know, what's going on? Mm-hmm. And um I, th- I think a lot of, um if we could get our, our significant others and our and our immediate family and even our close friends, you know, if you've got a buddy that, that you hang out with on a regular, you know, basis, you know, make them aware, like, hey, man, if you start seeing these signs or you start seeing me, you know, g- getting easily aggravated, getting aware of, you know, wanting to kind of distance myself, you know, hey, say something to me, you know, and then at the same time, we have to be, we have to be accountable enough to say, you know what, maybe, he's, maybe he or she is right. You know, maybe I do need to take a, take a step back and and let's really think about this and and um, approach this in a different
0: manner. And it's, I think you're 100% right there. You have to provide, it's a team approach. What we do is a team game. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not one clinician or one person that makes this whole thing work from a medical, EMS, first responder, resuscitationist, whatever category you want to stick us in today. There is not a... There's not one person that makes it work. It's a team game. And you have to have that bridge kind of between those two families of, hey, this is my work family. This is my home family. But let my home family understand my work family and my work family understand my home. It's it's amazing to me, and I can speak to our team. So we have, for those of you listening, there's 38 people in active flight status that are within air care. Now, air care family, when you really break it down is – MedCom, PEDS, NEO, everybody here in admin and several people around the hospital within our team, SMRS, all, all everybody under MCES, but everybody else. It's interesting to be able to say, I can call this person and say, I know they're married how many kids they have, how old they are. And I can probably tell you some fun facts about silly things they did because everybody at work talks all the time. Yeah, Um, And they usually talk about their family. I mean, it's the number one thing. Hey, how's your your mom and them, that kind of conversation. But does that same thing happen on the other side? And that always does. So how do you bridge those two gaps? Um, I think one thing you can do, just throwing ideas and spitballing it out, is the family day thing Mm -hmm. and getting, hey, meet my partner. This is the airframe for us. This is the ambulance. This is the fire truck. This is my family. And some people, some organizations do a really, really good job with that. But it sometimes is a challenge, especially in our private EMS or private um, departments and that kind of stuff. It, it's more corporate y and it's not as readily available, mm-hmm. maybe. But when
2: are so short staffed, you just you don't have the time or the crews
0: or the assets. Was, yeah.
1: Right. We still, uh, love- as far as Mississippi goes, very rural. I mean, some, some of these counties we, um, we're talking about made one, two ambulances, you know. So, you know, definitely a benefit for us is, you know, me and Corey used to fly together. We haven't flown together um, full time as partners in years, but I mean, we still talk very mm-hmm. regular. You know, we'd call them just, uh, we call just we we call it one time battle buddies. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, we would call and be like, "Hey, you just gonna have to listen for a while." Yeah, like, I'm just gonna blow some steam off, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> but like, you know, this is what happened, and we would, you know, we would talk about it, and, and you know, that's a that was a big factor for a long mm-hmm. time, and, and and as far as my life and and some of the stuff that I've you know dealt with over the years. Um, not necessarily just PTSI or work-related stress or anything else, but, you know, life gets tough, too, you know? So when you when you mix a, a tough um, stuff going on in your life with a lot of stuff going on at work, I mean, it, it it has a recipe for disaster sometimes. So you need those people in your life that you can call and be like, you know what? I just need you. I need you to give me 15 minutes of your time, and I need you to listen. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you just sit there. <laughs> you
2: ain't
0: going to say just, much. Just, just, yeah. just stay
2: You listen. That's right.
0: There. Yes. And it's something that's very hard for people that are not in this in this world or have seen these things to understand sometimes. It mm-hmm. was very hard for me my, my personal experiences I have some really really ghosts, really good friends, and it was really hard for me to talk to them about that kind of stuff mm-hmm. um, for me, I started a lot of the stuff when I was in college. so for them, they were you know out partying and going to the bars and taking girls and all those fun things and they were like, why are you?" Like this, or why do you think the way you did? And I could talk it out with some of them, but it took years for some of them to really understand why I was the way I am, mm-hmm. or why I do certain things. And it's because of the experiences. Yeah, and you close off and you shut off, and it's like, how do you, how do you make it okay to a not be okay? Not trying to be, mm-hmm. throw that yeah, line. Hey, out that's, there. Yeah, that's But it. how do you make it okay to not be okay? But how do you make it okay to talk about these things? And society and culture has made it very challenging in the past, but I think we're starting to kind of slowly see it trending this away. Yes. Um,
2: I think, like you said before, COVID and the pandemic really kind of started shedding light on the stressors, the burnout, and started bringing more awareness. Now, I think it's grossly underreported. Um, by EMS first responders. There was a survey that said um, 46% of EMS providers are dissatisfied with their current job, 54 intend to leave in the next year, and 27% reported suicidal ideations in the past year, which is seven times greater than the general population. And that's just what's reported, and the ones that that responded truthfully it's hard to capture because multiple you hold multiple jobs you may be working in a, as a first responder in a volunteer role and that's not you know listed as one of your right. jobs or um, I don't think that they were able to reach a, a it's, comprehensive it's it's one of the limitations of the study mm-hmm. right so
0: is it a, just a I'll pick on LA or was it just LA County LA County has, you know, you have the city to fire right. department, the county to fire department, you have the animal services, private animal services where they able to capture all the, the facets, if you will, of that, of that entity or mm-hmm. of that area. Great. What about rural New Mexico? Right. What about North Dakota? Arizona. You know, all the other, you know, right. Mississippi, Alabama, everywhere else it's relatively speaking rural and you don't have that same infrastructure. It may be a mom and pop animal service. It mm-hmm. may be this local fire department that, you know, my, First volunteer fire department ran somewhere between 300 and 400 calls a year, which is a lot for yeah, a fire department. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. But at the same time, you may have some fire departments that may, one of the ones we're working with, may run 30 calls a year. You're right. So, but of those 30 calls, most of them are very high acuity. Correct. So, what is what does that look like? How do you debrief that? How do you cope with that? How do you understand that? How do you not compartmentalize it, make it okay to talk about it. But how do you reach those people and figure out, Hey, did this stuff bother you? Or mm-hmm. do you have the resources available to you to help?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You mentioned something a minute ago is a burnout. Mm-hmm. And we've kind of talked a little bit about it and kind of skirted the edge of it. So what does burnout mean to y'all when I say that word?
2: I think it's where you have compassion fatigue. You're tired. You like your job. You still love your job. You love what you do. But you're dreading coming to work. You really hate to hear the tones again. You're tired. You're, you lose empathy. Um, just kind of bitter, anger, snappy, you know, lose your patience quickly with patients or other providers with, that are on scene with you. Um, that's, that's a lot of it.
1: Yes, those those uh, little things that really shouldn't be that big of an impact that all of a sudden really are a big deal. Yeah. But they shouldn't be. Is uh you know, that need for all right, I need to like I still like what I do, but I need it I need to take a break. I need, I need break. to take a step back, I need to reanalyze some things, I need to kind of do a self check before I go any further.
0: And those those symptoms you mentioned, all those snappy or Um, the fatigue, tired, irritable, all those things can be sometimes a challenge, especially when you're working every day. Uh
2: huh.
0: Um, most of these people get to or have to, whether it's by money or by necessity based off of counties or what have you, you know, I was working 72 on 72 off on animals all the time. Is that healthy? No, no. From a physical standpoint, but is it healthy emotionally and mentally not necessarily if you're not coping with it well, right? right. So how do you – am I daily taking that 72 off? And those 72 hours when I'm home, am I really home or am I still always on my phone? Am I always right. doing something like that? It's one thing to immerse yourself in medicine, which I believe can be super healthy. It can also be detrimental or immerse yourself in your job. Can you take that step back and really go on vacation and go to Hawaii or Florida or wherever? Truly I'm tr- disconnect. And truly yeah. – Take yourself out of the equation, mm-hmm. and that's you know that's really a tough one because a lot of
1: times um, I, I don't think we we do that self check that we talk about that leads us to hey you know what maybe I maybe I do need to take about a week off and really reevaluate and take you know and then look at our eating habits and you know our do we exercise regularly I mean every you know you could chase a circle all the way around mm-hmm. if you wanted to but I mean at the end of the day you you throw in limited amounts of sleep for days sometimes like you said you worked 72 hours on an ambulance you know there's 72 hours sometimes you may have been laid up there may have been some of those Um, probably not many of them right but um not in the delta not in the delta right um but a lot of times you know you were probably up the majority of those 72 Mm -hmm. hours right hours you're eating then you know, oh, fast food, fast yeah. food, grab and go. <laughs> really, up, you know? whatever you could grab, grab on the and way. Go. you know, if you caught an out of town, you were like, yes, we're going to stop somewhere and get a little, little bite to eat, you know, and, um, but even then, you know, where was, you running, was you working out, was you, you know, was, no. you, was yeah. you, was you taking those steps to reset?
0: And everybody has their own different coping mechanisms back then sure. I was, you know, speaking for picking on me. Uh, I was young and dumb and didn't really need to work out as much as I thought. And, you know, I was, you know, I did 10 pushups. I was good. Yeah. <laughs> um, 10 pushups to get me out of breath right now. But if you take the two seconds and eat right, you stay off the, now I'm bad about caffeine of the day, but if you stay off of the other things that make it even more exponential, is that healthier? I think the answer is yes. Yeah,
1: for sure. Um, you know a lot of people don't realize you know well i don't have time for the gym you know i work this much i got two jobs you cannot tell me that you don't have an hour out of out of a couple days a week that you can get out there and just walk nobody said you had to you know get in there and pound the weights nobody said you had to run a marathon like get out there and get those endorphins going enjoy some sunshine enjoy the day you'd be amazed at how different things would turn around just to get those endorphins going you might even go home and sleep a little bit better at night you know um it's done a it's done a lot for me getting into the you know the gym and I don't I don't lift heavy you know I go in there break a little sweat move a little weight you know but what I realized was like man it's just something different you know I got in there got the blood flow going a little bit got them the endorphins going the serotonin's going and um you know you go home and you're like man I feel pretty good um, but so if, you know, just like you said, that's not gonna work for everybody. So what you're going to find is is what works for you. you know, that balance it may be a combination of several different things, you know
2: What works for me is running with no music. <laughs> so I'm completely in my head, clear my head, listen to nature, appreciate what's around me, and not be distracted by music or words or whatnot like that. I, f- I found that after, Just a few minutes of running with music, I wasn't hearing it anyway. So what's the point in toting all that crap around? So that may work for other people
0: as well. Which is funny because I'm the opposite. Mm -hmm. So like music for me chills me out. Like if you put on, I'll pick on, you put on ACDC and I play Thunderstruck and I'm way more calm than I am without anything. (laughs) Like I, that's just how I, that's just how I'm wired. Like yeah. it, it, for me, it, that's more of a, now nah, I'm listening to the words, not so much it's the beat behind mm-hmm. it, but it, for me, what music does is it allows me to stay in sync with something and I'm timed with something. It's not, it doesn't allow that flexibility. It doesn't allow my w- mind to water because to play music, which I did in high school, you have to be present um, in the moment yep. and have to be on that beat. And if you wander from it you're going to be that for me i played barry sax you're going to be that one honking on the corner that don't sound right going to go, what you doing man? what you what you doing over here uh-huh. you have to be present so that's for me that's my thing but
2: i think that um you know in our world we have consistent partners you know check your partner don't be scared to say something hey, man, are you all right you okay i noticed something different or you know, call them out. Uh, you're not the same. What's going on?
1: Accountability. Yeah. You know, you, uh, you can't hold your partner accountable. Mm-hmm. You know.
0: That's they accountability for yourself, you accountability for your partner, accountability for your team. Yes. And in our world, and this is the HEMS world, is it's life or death. I mean, like if you are not present in the moment and you miss that wire and we smoke it and we flip. Yep. Bad day. Oh, Yeah. So, I need you to be here. I need you to be present. I need you to be thinking.
2: 100%. If you're but, not 100%, then we need to.
0: Don't need you in the aircraft. We and, need to figure it out. But the same thing happens on the street, whether you're an EMS, mm-hmm. whether you're fire, law enforcement, what have you, or you're in a hospital. Hey, I'm not present in the moment, and I gave the wrong drug. Yep. I didn't, you know, I heard law, and I gave metoprolol, and you meant Stadol. Mm-hmm. You know, two totally different drugs. What did you do? to mitigate those effects and how would you it kind of makes a spiral right so you make then you make a mistake then you feel even worse about it Mm -hmm. and then you go on to the depressive state
2: yep
0: so which leads us to our kind of i'll just release the suicide Mm that happens it's not something i wish you could get away from it i wish you could take it totally out of public safety and military mindset but sometimes people think that's the only option they have
2: yes
1: and it's it's definitely not, no. you know, there is some really good um, treatments and some, some really good alternative um, routes you can take besides that, that they can, you know, get you a good career back, you know, it can get you back to your normal way of thinking, get you out of that slump. Um, and that's, you know, really, I think what a lot of this podcast should, you know, maybe be aimed about is. When you get to that point, it's not over, you know, like you, you make that call, you make, you know, find you a good psychologist to go to that, that has a good, strong background in PTSD that knows what first responders do, what they do day in, day out, you know, do your due diligence, research that psychologist, then go to them.
0: And it's about you coming home. So how do we make it to where everybody comes home? How do we make it to you where you come home, not physically, but mentally as well and make it where you're whole again to your point your not career's not over i think more of you for owning it and say hey look i got a freaking problem yeah something something's not right i'm you know team me up time out Mm
1: -hmm.
0: now when i was 10 years ago and i was younger and like i said young dumb (laughs) did i think that no that was i'm speaking for me that was me maturing into a different person but
1: well that's like what we talked about the culture you know that was the culture at that time was like oh man he can't hack it
0: you know you ain't going to make it. You're unfit you for it. duty if yeah. you talk yeah. about it. So, But,
1: I mean, you know, weak. realistically, that's that we should be the exact opposite. You know, we should be able to sit down. We should be able to have these discussions. You know, you should be able to pick up that phone call. You know, pick up that phone and call, you know, I would say anybody in their care. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, whether they have a really close personal relationship or not. Call them up and say, hey, dude, you know what? I've just, you know, man, work's been pounding me. We've had this, some bad calls, like... Man, you mind just talking to me, or you know, helping me get some Let help, me pick or your whatever. Brain. Let yeah. me,
2: let's talk through this.
1: You know, and I, I would like to think we have that culture here. You know, and I would challenge, you know, your your emergency departments, your ICUs, um, other ambulance services. You know, try to try to start developing that culture because essentially, you know, we're going to have to attack this um, one on the college level educationally, and then two, we're going to have to attack it at at where we work at our workplace. You know, and once we start changing the culture and we start making it OK and more education and understanding of what this is, I think we'll we'll continue to see the turnaround that that kind of COVID has kicked off.
0: And for me, it's not a you know, there's a lot of dark pasts and things that I have in my head again that I don't want to deal with. Come out <laughs> of the box, But at the same time, for me, the mechanism has been let it drive you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we have. I've had incidents in the past and it's meant, Hey, look, the patron had a detrimental thing. It was a bad case in the beginning. I did everything I could, but at the end of the day, I'm not happy. Yep. So I'm not happy with the outcome of the patient, but is there anything I can live with? I always tell people clinically for me, it's whatever I can go home with, mm-hmm. whatever I can live with. And that's how I've figured out how I'm going to deal with medicine in general. But You know, hey, did I think they need X, Y, and Z procedure, or XYZ medication? Well, I didn't have it. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'll pick on the hot topic of the day, (laughs) hydroxylabalm. I didn't have it one time. Mm -hmm. And I had a really bad outcome with a kid because I didn't have it. I knew I needed it. I couldn't get it. Didn't have it where I was. Couldn't get it fast enough. And kid died. Mm -hmm. To this day, I want to get on the aircraft. And it's because of that I don't want to put anybody else on the team or in that situation in healthcare to be in that same spot to have to deal with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's how I let it drive me. But everybody's different.
1: And I like that point you make, Will, is is is, you know, turning what could potentially be a what what I call a demon, if you will, yeah. uh, into a basically a drive, you know, and I can remember um one that man has has haunted me for years and without trying to get this podcast to go towards a uh, we're gonna sit around and tell war stories right. all day but i was in i was an emt for maybe two months when we run this call and it was a little uh, young girl you know ejected paralyzed you know but for whatever reason what one of the things that was had, and still is actually just etched into my brain was how beautiful her eyes were but at the same time, I remember I was just EMT. So I was watching these medics work on her. I didn't have a clue what to do. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. two months out of EMT school, where were you at? Right. You know, you were still trying to figure out where the oxygen goes on the truck. You know, like I was, like, what do I do with my hands? Yeah. I don't, you know, but anyway, but that. What girl,
0: bag am I toting today? Right.
1: <laughs> well, are we transporting or not yeah. training? What hospital are we going You know, yeah. but anyway, um. but for whatever reason, you know, that those eyes, I mean, they haunted me for so long, but at the same time, they were, you know, I, I did not want to feel that helpless feeling ever again for any of my patients. And I think that one call was probably the driving force that got me to this point I'm, I'm at now, you know, practicing critical care medicine at, you know, what we call the, the tip of the spear, you know, pushing ourselves to, to every limit we can possibly do it, you know, bringing care to people.
0: I think it's a challenge to, for people to really understand that hey, these incidents—one that can build, like we're talking about with burnout—you yeah. can see more and more of them. So maybe you had uh, five of the similar cases within a six-month period. That could get you to burnout. It could mm-hmm. be five in the same week. It could be five in the same day. The burnout can happen, or it could be one big incident, mm-hmm. kind of like we were just talking about, or right. one incident. Hey, it's just your hyper vigilant, that sympathetic tones and drive. But don't discount anyone for what it makes to them. Everybody's okay. a little bit different. So to your point with a phone call is, hey man, you got a minute to talk. There are certain things in the more you know people that are calling you, you can tell, hey, this is something that I actually yeah. need to like. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, for me it's hey to my son, hey, here's your game. I'm gonna let you go play for a minute. I gotta make I gotta answer this phone. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
0: But I'm not saying answer every phone call, but, hey, is there something you need to text back? Try to make sure it's the right time and try to make time for your friends because you may need that one day. Oh, absolutely. You know, there's uh, several. You can YouTube all day long. It's a team game, like we said. Make sure you're available for that team because you may need that same resource. So don't be scared to say, hey, all right, I'll listen. And that's all my take. Just listen. Yeah. yeah.
2: You don't have to have a solution. Sometimes it just takes an here
0: And we're solution mindset. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, that is our culture yeah. as a whole. Is I, I, I want a problem? It. I gotta fix it. Yeah, yeah. Let me help <laughs> you fix it. I gotta fix it right now. Right now.
1: Uh-uh. And it does it. Uh, that, I think that applies to every aspect of my life. A lot yes. of times, you know, <laughs> even on the you know, not necessarily just at work. Like, okay, you know, yeah. there's a problem list. You know, we're gonna mm-hmm. fix it right now. What do you know? Whether it's add pressures, you give blood, fluids, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But then you know, you go home and you're like, man, this needs to be done. Well. Right now. Let's get it out <laughs> <up, right> now. <laughs> and, you know, it, it definitely, uh, I, th- I think a lot of times, you know, drives our family crazy sometimes that, that this job's made us like this. But, um, you know, I think, I think if you just have a good connection with your significant other, your immediate family and your friends, like you were talking about, sometimes it is hard to talk to them. But if you if you have these open discussions with them and and take good educational opportunities and explain to them, like, hey, this is you know, I come from a job where if there's something that I can fix, yeah. I, I do it mm-hmm. immediately because a lot of times it is life or death. So when I come home, the laundry's not done. You know, all hey, right, it's gonna be okay. <laughs> I get it.
2: My husband's always like, "Why are you walking so fast? <laughs> I gotta get it done. Let's go."
1: <laughs> So, but yeah, I mean, definitely, you know, these, these instances that we talk about, you know, when demons, whatever you want to call them, you you know, you can turn them for good. You know, you may not ever get completely rid of them, um, but you don't have to live fighting against them all the time. You can make friends with them.
0: And you can spin them. It's all in it's all all spin it. It's it's the lens that you look through. Yeah. It can
2: go two ways.
0: And it's, you know... Not trying to be like every other something somebody may listen to, but it's okay to have night sweats. It's okay to wake up with nightmares. It's okay to have that happen to you. What's not okay is that you keep it all to yourself and you don't talk to somebody. That's
2: right. And you keep going and driving and acting like you're okay at work when you're not 100%. And that's when it comes to us as a team to recognize that early. And try to get those people the help they need, whether it just be let them bend your ear or let's find you a resource. Let's let's look at this. Let's get you to see this person.
1: But the biggest thing is finding healthy coping mechanisms yes. before the bad ones fill their void.
2: Like alcohol use. Yep. Uh,
0: alcohol is a depressant. Let's substances. just break it out. I mean, yes. yeah, uh, there's a lot of people. That will say, well, yeah, I just have a drink or I have a shot or I was talking to somebody that is like, yeah, well, I'll just take a shot and they'll kill me out and chill me out. I get it. I understand it. But it can be a challenge. Mm-hmm. It'll you it starts with one sip and then it'll talk to any alcoholic that. <laughs> it started going, with one sip. Yeah. <laughs> it goes through Alcoholics Anonymous and they'll tell you it started yeah. with one sip. And went yeah. From there.
1: Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um so
2: what can we do to help we have know your resources be a peer that can help others and help recognize early
0: um, peer peer support's a big one mm-hmm, being sure. building that culture around it safely um, for us we have our team itself that you're not going to people are not going to understand it like people you're work with i mean they're going through it That's with right. you so but that being said you're a public safety family so whether it's I have a buddy of mine who's fire department in Alabama. I could pick up the phone right now and I can call him and he would totally understand what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And could, he may not understand the, we're talking about the case center dosing and the irritability I have over this DDAVP or yeah. what, whatever, you know, like why we can't do it X, Y, and Z. He may not understand that part of it, but I bet he would listen mm-hmm. and he would understand a little bit better maybe than somebody else might. So understand that peer support and then your company support. So there's a lot of different avenues that people in large companies have, but even smaller companies that are nonprofits or resources they have available to them. So we've, I think several of us have kind of a couple of them. Y'all want to list off a couple.
2: Um, There's one that is GMR, which is a parent company that we're in called all clear foundation. And they have a list of resources that to help employees and staff members. That until looking into all this, I didn't realize was even there. Um, We have employee assistance program with through UMC, so EAP. You'll hear that. That's what Mm -hmm. several different companies call it. The same thing, Um, and they have resources that are part of your your company. And most of them readily available.
0: Yeah, and they start off with this big umbrella of, "Hey, I got a problem." And then, hey, I've got a problem with alcohol. Hey, I've got a problem mm-hmm. with an incident that happened for me. Hey, I've got a problem with um, something going on at home. But they can steer you in the right direction to a more of a specialized care. So it's kind of like mm-hmm. your primary care provider, and then you go to specialized stuff. Yeah, uh, A lot of them work that way, mm-hmm. where they can kind of get you in the right thing. Yeah.
2: Um, there's also a Responder Strong program, Code Green campaign. That's fairly <laughs> new after COVID and realizing the burnout and the suicide thoughts ideations. i remember when yeah. code green
0: first came out in 2014 or so and it was kind of there and then it mm-hmm. got re and then everybody kind of pumped the brakes on it because of the culture yep and then it's slowly it's been interesting for me to watch it slowly creep way yep.
1: Yep, right back in
2: mm-hmm. um awareness is more we still have a long way to go but i think that the more we talk about it the more we let people know it's okay, the more we take a time out for our buddy and say, hey, we're not going to be available for a little bit. You can blame it on me. I don't care. But really, it's your partner. But being that person for them and taking a time out,
1: it, yeah, blame think,
2: it on me. You can think it's me all day long, but really, I'm doing it for my partner. It's our
1: team. And I think realizing that that there, there's not going to be negative consequences for reaching out mm-hmm. the correct way for help is 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 crucial um i think i think a lot of people believe that man if i you know if, if i make this call they're gonna pull me off the ambulance or they're gonna pull me off the you know off of work and i've got bills to pay well yeah you know everybody does mm-hmm. but at the end of the day if we get you to that point of exploding and you explode that's way worse now what? it's way worse yeah. mm-hmm. you know and it's, and it's coming from somebody that, that has reached you know that point of almost exploding um you know you can't you can't get to that point. You know you have to you have to start early recognition of of the signs and symptoms and then and get the appropriate treatment. And it, you know it's out there. And I remember the first time I did a uh, started going to the therapist and and they were talking about doing the ERDM treatment. Mm-hmm, you know, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like I called Corey and I was like, "This is voodoo magic." <laughs> I was like, "This is you know," because she was explaining to me like kind of the the process of the ERDM and everything, and I was like this ain't gonna work
0: this is this is dumb well, sorry, let's, well, <laughs> yeah i know what erdm let's talk about erdm for those who don't know um explain it since you had to explain it to <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> it's a
2: it's a method to help you refocus your thoughts when they start rearing their u- ugly head
1: so yeah the way the way it was put to me by my, the therapist that I used was basically when, what we realized with uh, PTSI or PTSD, I don't like PTSD, but <laughs> PTSI was um, these horrible things that have happened in our career or our lives or whatever, oftentimes get get stuck in the frontal lobe, right? Mm-hmm. All right, well, well, what do we know about the frontal lobe? What does it control? Impulses. Emotions. Our Emotions. 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 Right, impulsions. You know, all those, our personality, yes. if you will, who we are <laughs> as a human being. Now we've got all these little demons that are stuck in it, right, that are swirling around that like to stick their old ugly head out every once in a while and say, hey, here I am, I'm here to wreck your life. So anyway, so they use the ERDM to basically help bridge the crossover from the frontal lobe, basically to your long-term memory, where hopefully your these, compartment. yep, <laughs> we can sho- <laughs> shove it on back there, Show that away. You know. So anyway, so what we learned is through the ERDM pre- uh, process, it, it basically uh, um, tricks your brain into thinking that it's asleep. Is that the correct kind of kind of the same deal that you're asleep? Um, and it allows these horrible demons that float around your frontal lobe to pass on to your vault, where eventually they become long term memories and eventually can kind of not necessarily always disappear and be gone forever,
0: but yeah. dissipate. Instead of it in 4K, you're dealing with that old VHS. <laughs> right. Yeah, got the got old. Uh, old VHS a little bit. Chrome has got that static. But,
1: uh, so, yeah, and, and that was something, you know, like I said, I, I never heard of it before. Never yeah. heard of it. You know, it's, and, and I think that mistake number one is I had no idea that that option was out there, you know what I'm saying? Yep. And, and I should have known, um, number two, yes, it does sound like voodoo magic. When they start talking about the whole process <laughs> and stuff, you're like, okay, will not you just, you know, fix <laughs> yeah, you me, yeah. mix me up some tea. I'll drink it too. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but, but, um, yeah, I did several, uh, several of them for the, um, of the ERDM treatments. And, uh, like I said, it, it, you're definitely there like this is not gonna work this is voodoo but at, at the end of the day when you know at the end of each session i was like you know what I, I do feel better about you know just talking about it to them and then going through those treatment processes and i was like before you realize it you're like i can remember that event but it's like you said it's not as vivid and it's not as clear as yeah. it once was
0: mm-hmm. um, which is a good way to kind of Get it back to—I won't say normal, but get it back to where you can cope and function. There you go. Be a contributing member to a team, contributing member of society. You can go home with your kids and be okay.
1: But you can't stop there. You have to—you have to replace these these bad coping mechanisms with good coping mechanisms. I mean, this is something that I think eventually, if you stay in this job long enough, you will have some sort of degree of this. Mm -hmm. You know, whether it's—you have to, yeah, yeah, have to. Basically, you know. but I'm here for the long run, you know? Like, this is my career, and I'm, I'm proud to call it my career, just like you know, y'all are, I'm sure. Um, so, you have to develop these in order to get that long term career.
0: And everybody's a little bit uh, different in how it comes about. I wanted to bring this up. So, I was, for those of you listening, if you listened to the previous episode about the Mississippi Trauma Symposium, you heard me talk to Michelle Gorth, or Dr. Michelle Gorth, excuse me. And she talks about PEDS concussions. And then you heard me talk to Beth and Beth um, is from USA and she talked about PTSI mm-hmm. and the incidence of PTSD after a, after a central event. Mm-hmm. So kids as they become adults are more progressive and they have more incidents of PTSI because it builds. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a building block you build to this pyramid, which is kind of how burnout happens basically what we're talking about anyway. But it happen, can happen when you're a kid and then work its way up. So you have a couple incidents when you're a child and then you come into this career of EMS and you love medicine and you love all these things. And then did you learn how to cope with it when you were a kid? Not necessarily. So then it just builds and it gets worse and worse and worse. So don't the, found,
1: the foundation was already laid.
0: Yep. And so how do you build yourself up success? A lot of times you have to go to your DM or any – number of different therapies mm-hmm. or management systems to where you can say hey how do I function but to your point don't stop okay i got i got a patch
2: it's not a temporary no. it's a lifelong process yep. absolutely sure. and resilience training is kind of the term for that so how do you stay resilient that's a lifelong it's not just a fix or a patch or a medicine it's only going to work so long. Temporizing measure. Resilience training is lifelong.
0: It's a continued thing. And you talk to some uh, therapy friends of mine, and I've put in preparation for this. I made a phone call or six. And they <laughs> I, I, said, I said, hey, you know, like, how does this work? You know, I get it. Y'all make money off people going to therapy. And this is your livelihood. And I know you're passionate about it. And you want people to always go to therapy. And they're like, yeah, but it's not necessarily because I still want a paycheck or because it's because they have to make sure that they're doing OK from a long term standpoint. Mm-hmm. Now, they may start with therapy sessions three times a week and then we go to once every six months mm-hmm. or once a year, twice a year. And it's still that like old friend that's just checking in. Hey, man, how you doing? Yeah. What's up? You know, you're you doing good. <laughs> kids good. Wife good. Everything's great. Yeah. OK, cool. That can still be a therapy session to keep you in check. So don't discount your resources hey i got a patch on it make sure it's a patch that's gonna turn into a foundation that you build that good concrete solid no air in the concrete foundation block stay there there it is yeah for sure with when you start talking about some of the coping mechanisms as well and distractors what are some good ideas uh, we live in the south so hunting obviously one of them mm-hmm. so it's fishing yeah but what <laughs>
1: yeah
0: what are just dis- talking <laughs> about me yeah <laughs> uh, didn't didn't you are our front row center here bro Uh, what are some distractors y'all use besides removing yourself from the situation? What are some distractors you can use in the workplace that may help you distract or cope or deal, prevent those triggers from happening again. If you have a similar incidence, the tones drop. Are there things y'all use?
2: I think we, what we call story time is debriefing or Mm -hmm. when we're changing shifts, we tell about our calls, pick each other's brain pick up the phone and say, hey, let me run this by you. I think that being comfortable doing that to any of the team members is extremely important. Um, We, you know, listening to music or doing a puzzle or whatever is important as well. As far as on the spot, debriefing is huge because you can even with the doctors that you drop off to or that you're close with that what would you have done what do you think happened here this is what we we thought was going on of course you don't we don't have all the tools as they have in the level 1 trauma center so they can dig a little deeper and following up with them okay well we were on the right path we just didn't know what to call it or there was nothing we could do
0: about it and that's something I think is important so for our program in the past when I first started here, so we always tried to make a phone call to whoever called us and say, Hey, this is what happened. This Mm -hmm. is what we did. This is what we followed up with. And I'll be honest. I was one of those. Really? We got to do that. Um, but now I make an effort to, if somebody calls me and says, Hey man, you can find out what happened to this patient. Mm -hmm. And I following HIPAA and all the rules best, best I can or best my partners and team members can obviously protecting patient privacy. But for them, it's a closure. It's part of that debrief process. It's part of that closure process. This may have been if it's a friend of mine on a volunteer fire department in Rankin County, mm-hmm. and he says, "Hey, you tell me what happened to this patient." It may not necessarily be so. He wants to know what happened to him. It's it's part of his debrief process because this was they don't see this very often. Yeah. This is a high stress instance for him. This is how he may deal with it, and it makes himself better, but it allows them to help them as well. So it, it can be very valuable. Just even that follow up debrief mm-hmm. is something we can do as a team to make it better.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I would, I would add to what uh, Corey said a lot for me, a lot of how I prepare to go to work makes a big difference throughout the day. And, you know, have I, did I get to go home and spend some time with the family? You know, did I get to do that little bit of hunting and fishing on the side, you know, that you picking at me about, mm-hmm. um, you know,
0: that I get How many done. gobbled you kill each Yeah, I can't. Yeah, okay. I can say
1: all of them.
2: All of the I, one. Didn't,
0: I, didn't, I didn't hurt them too bad. Okay. Um,
2: Mine is watching my my kids play sports. Yeah. I love know, being just, at the ball fields and watching them. Just
1: having that little bit of time to reset, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, you know, me and Corey have talked about this um, before, you know, when we go home for, you know, a hit sometimes if it's been a rough hitch, I'll, I'll be the first one to tell you those emails, they get cut off. You know, like I, won't,
0: and it's okay to do that. And
1: just I, do that. I, yeah. <laughs> I I said, <laughs> Jeremy may be listening, but, he's, <laughs> um, but no, I mean, sometimes you're just like, you know what, like I'm, I'm just gonna go home for a week and I'm gonna, I'm gonna spend time with my girls. I'm gonna spend time in the outdoors. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna get that reset that way. When I come back, um, my partner can count on me. The patients that I have to go, um, treat, provide care for, they can count on me, um, just taking that little bit of a time. Like I said, if everybody can donate an hour of time to do something they enjoyed to help them reset a couple times a week.
0: That's all it takes. Usually it's just a little bit of time for yourself. And yeah. Someone I told somebody the other day was I was talking about being overstimulated. For me, it's if I get too much stimulus at time or too much going on or this, that, and other, and can be any number of things. It could be, uh, my family, my son triggers it because he's four. He um, not necessarily means to, but it could be the dog's barking, the sprinkler's going off, and the timer going off at the same time. So mm-hmm. I'm used to that alarm fatigue, right? So yeah. we're used to, in the medical where we have alarms going off, but no different than the fire department. You have the tones, the bells, the smoke detectors, everything else. You go inside a burning house, and you hear it crumbling around you, and then the is still going off because mm-hmm. it was on the floor, not on the ceiling like it should have been, but you – all those things may throw you in over stimulus. Well, if that happens while I'm inside of a house fighting fire, that can be a real problem, right? Cause that mm-hmm. takes my focus away from what it should be paying attention to same thing at work. So take those two seconds to try to figure out how you best cope with those overstimulus. For me, it's take five seconds and find something rhythmic. Mm-hmm. If I can find it, music is my mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but even just sitting there doing counting things with my fingers or try to find something that's a pattern for me. Patterns help, uh, puzzle Mm -hmm. uh i'm not a big puzzle person but i know several people that are Uh, my mom was a huge puzzle person Mm -hmm. that can be one of those things that just kind of checks you out whether it's and you may go fishing just throwing a cast Mm -hmm. perfecting that art of whatever you're trying to perfect but take that time to focus on something that is did i get that bait exactly carpentry we
2: have several that do yeah yeah yeah.
0: yeah i'll throw my hand on that one too that's um, my wife, not well. but I think it's cool. Yeah. It's great. Just so tinkering. Have it's some
2: little hobby. Yeah. You gotta have something that's not related to medicine, that's not related to your job. That is just a complete break. You know, yeah. watching the kids play ball, spending time outside, reading, whatnot. You know, that all helps at least a, sh- a short disconnect, so that it's not constant a constant stimulus of the same old all the time.
0: That's good. And then there's a lot of things in our culture and EMS. Um, I don't know if i familiar, like Echo mm-hmm. is a great organization. It does good with debriefs, critical incidents as well. But on a daily basis, they got a phone call. It's, you can make it 24 seven 365 or somebody on the line. They can talk to you. Mm-hmm. That's not in your organization. Yeah. Um, now they're HEMS based and public safety based, but that's they still do the same thing for anybody. There's locally the MCAMP nonprofit that recently started. They have a lot of resources with specific therapists that are here in Mississippi that can help you Mm -hmm. out. Um, The Bureau of UMS even has resources on a state level that can kind of help guide you in the right direction. So there's stuff outside of your organization. If you don't feel appropriate to talk to your organization, whether it's you don't feel comfortable talking to your manager about it, you feel like there's going to be retribution or all those other things, I urge you to seek outside of that. There are plenty of other options google is a great friend here yeah. now google can steer you a little bit wrong <laughs> but who can help you too again echo m camp are both great organizations code green there are several other ones out there that are really effective and great for first responders mm-hmm. you know, one just,
2: part that we didn't mention is a spiritual aspect too there are people that you know meditation prayer and and that or a strong spiritual guide and and prayer knowing that that is with you just relying on that lens to look through as well
0: is huge, and it can take taking that five minutes to have that meditation time mm-hmm. to have that spiritual moment. All right, cool, whatever. There's there are several people on the team, and there's several people I've seen over the years that literally before they get an aircraft, they take thirty seconds. Yep, and yep. you can tell they're just sitting there meditating. I never have to say a word to them because you nope. can. It's usually pretty obvious what they're doing, but they sit there and say, "All right, cool. I'm going to have my moment. I'm going to meditate." Do I, you know? Say a, prayer. T- say a prayer. Talk to God. Whatever prayer. you got to do, beat yourself in the right mindset. Bringing back to your point about getting ready for work, getting in that mindset to right. be effective at what you do. Because what we do, honestly, in any aspect, whether it's again, whether it's HEMS, whether it's EMS, or public safety, fire, what have you, disaster management, it's all a mindset game. So you have to be prepared mentally, physically, and what otherwise in order to be good at what your job. And so. Being mindful of PTSI and that it happens and it's a normal. It's okay. Just we need to work on getting better at it mm-hmm. and handling it, coping with it.
2: Shift the, shift the negative connotation to a more positive. How do I use this to be positive or drive me to be better? Know that I did everything I can in my wheelhouse to do the best job. And sometimes... The outcome is not desirable, but you know, you did the best you can do. You can go home, you can live with that. Shift that negative connotation of suck it up, don't talk about the incident to a more positive. How can we learn from this? How can y'all learn from my experience? Yeah, when we first got be to better. do surgical yeah. airways, it's all fun and games till you're the one out there, on there in the, the middle of the road house, with the, the scalpel. scalpel in your hand. Yeah. <laughs> and I can tell you because that was me and yeah. my partner in the middle of the road i remember that we mm-hmm. were the first ones to do it and yeah it was huge that was huge
0: it's a very you are put in high stress situations and very scary situations to the outside public some yes. people are maybe listening to this all they know of what we're talking about is what they see on tv and some of it's like that and some of it's very dramatic and there's cool music in the background but no there's not, not really never but <laughs> never no i've never landed a dave matthews concert no. I'm just throwing it out there <laughs> no but some of it's very most of it's very dark mundane boring just rick of on the mill and then you get those those several incidents that you're like all right cool this is this is it and you're gonna as you pointed out make it in 4k in the front of your mind and you gotta figure out how to put it back in that vhs stuff mm-hmm and
2: there's just different avenues, knowing knowing your resources, reaching out to a buddy that understands your world. EMS, fire, law enforcement, whatever that may be.
1: I mean I would even throw dispatch. Yes. You know, oh, dispatchers absolutely. and comms specialists in there with 100%. It, you know I mean, they're
0: they're in the EMS world.
1: Yes. You know, the biggest thing is is maybe self acceptance. Is that would would that be the correct thing, you know? well I'm just accept like okay accept this, it. this is yeah. real that's the first you know? step
0: what's, and then so what's the first double IMC except the factory <laughs> in double IMC <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the fact you're
1: in IMC right? <laughs> Acceptance. like here we are but um
2: and now what <laughs> I'm, I'm in the clouds
0: I can't see where I'm going but I mean let's relate to IMC real fast yes, I mean, you're, you're in the clouds I yeah. don't know where I'm going I'm in the fog of war for yeah. example alright you gotta accept hey this is a problem now yep. I gotta get my way out of it alright so what am I gonna do go fly a level first let's thing focus. I'm gonna get to 3000 mm-hmm. feet and I'm gonna get the heck away from any antenna that i could possibly get get level trust my instruments trust what's going on Mm -hmm. get on the frequencies get back get my mind back centered get back meditated and then we're going to go okay Mm -hmm. cool i'm going to land the sucker on an airport and it's not going to be fogged in because it's going to be a good day (laughs) and we're going to get there we're going to get there
1: one step at a time the biggest thing you know the self-acceptance and then take that first step Mm -hmm. that first step for for me personally was was so hard to do but it was probably one of the best things that ever you know that that one initial phone call you know um it, it changed everything you know and and i was that person i was like this is you know they're gonna they're gonna pull me off flight status and blah, blah, blah. you know they're gonna do all this in it but it wasn't like that at all you know it was okay hey man i've i've got them too this is what i do this is what i help this is what i'm gonna do for you i'm gonna set you up with my therapist you know, and it was never once did I feel like I'm going to lose my job, um, you know, not the clinician that er- anyone else is in this room or, or you know, mm-hmm. it's it just it was not what I was expecting. And that was one thing. The biggest point I want to share today is, is if you are have these feelings, if you are having these triggers, um, if you are having these early signs and symptoms or even late signs and symptoms, take that first step, you know, whether it's your primary care provider, just take that step. Because once you take that step and you start digging into the treatment and you start, you know, seeking out the treatment and studying the right pathways to take, it does and it will get better.
0: Mm-hmm. Every time.
1: Every the first time. First step's the hardest. It
2: is. And and it may be you doing it for your partner or a person you know. Yeah. Recognizing it and say, hey, I'm gonna call for you because I recognize something is not right.
1: Yeah. And I think I did. I text you after you did the surgical. I think I think, as, so. I think as soon as I heard it, I was like, yeah. "Oh gosh!" And I'm talking, yeah, I was like, "You good?" <laughs> and I said, "No." no. <laughs> and that's okay. And that's yeah. okay. You know, like we'll talk about it and
0: uh, yeah, we we'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. And it's all in how you talk to people when you start. To, a lot of the stuff we talk about for for medical personnel is what how do you treat them, especially in our world, right? Yeah. Right. How did you treat them? And did you think easy.
2: about this? Did you think about that?
0: It's very easy to, when you talk to people and you have that quote-unquote story time or the shift change conversations to backseat quarterback. Oh, yeah. It's super easy. Oh, yeah. Everybody everybody falls into it. I don't care who you are. It's really easy to backseat quarterback it. The question is how do you ask – the the not the question. The thing I want to say is how do you pose those questions mm-hmm. is how those questions are posed in a non-accusatory manner, A, and B – How do you pose those questions to make sure that the clinician knows they're okay with it? Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. To make sure that they know how— You're not
2: being demeaning. mm -mm.
0: You're
2: you're not being—you're being inquisitive and just shedding light, oh, well, what did you think about this? Did you try that? Wonder why it didn't work and kind of go through what happened or why it did work or, yes, we tried that. Here's what happened next. Okay, and then you just keep—
0: because those, a lot of times when they you have those debriefed conversations, it's not necessarily, yes, they're okay with what they did clinically. Mm-hmm. But a lot of that is the mental health side of that. Yes. You're backside. okay
2: with what I did, yeah. so now I can be okay Now with
0: I'm validating, mm-hmm. yes, I yes. did the right thing, or yes, yes, I did the thing. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, it's or, a lot of times. Oh, I didn't think about that.
2: Or I've seen something rare yeah. that you may not ever see, but what if you did? And now I can share that. Yeah. And, and so now
0: that's. And what does that do at the end of the day? It makes you a better clinician, makes your yep. patients better, pr- lets you provide better care, and it lets you provide better home life that's right. when you go home. There mm-hmm. so.
2: so everybody goes home. That's our motto, one way or another. You need a break, you need a break. It's all good. Everybody needs to go home.
0: Cool. Anything else we need to hit on PTSI and burnout? I don't think oh, well,
2: you can go down a hundred rabbit holes. Oh yeah, but we, we
1: could do four of these podcasts <laughs> and probably never cover everything. You,
2: you probably know somebody that's in the throes of this right now. Yeah, help them make the first I,
1: step. Yeah, I do actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and it's okay. And, and that's you know, one thing I like to look at um, as far as you know everything I've been through with it is, is I like to think that I went through it hopefully to help someone else down the road. Mm-hmm. You know, and and have having gone through it. And having talked about it, and and help a couple other people already down the road, like it's it's fine with me, you know, because I know somewhere down the road there's a plan, and and there's going to be an opportunity for me to help somebody that was in my same situation.
0: Awareness, awareness, bringing change in culture, and. To your point, everybody, I won't say everybody, a lot of people in this business want to find their why. Why was I, Why mm-hmm. did I choose this? Mm-hmm. Why did this choose it for me? And sometimes it's going through this PTSI process and understanding it and being able to help a friend or help a coworker, help a teammate. Work through that. That's your why. Mm-hmm. That's how you get through it. There it is.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So, All right, guys. We well, appreciate your time. Thanks for coming in today. Happy to be here. Thanks yeah. for having us. Y'all have fun flying. This has been a presentation of Blue Crew Medicine.